Welcome to the People Experience Pulse podcast, your gateway to the new frontier of human experiences at work. On the PX Pulse, we're all about elevating experiences, fostering belonging, and building remarkable workplace cultures in a fast evolving world. Everyone knows the importance of having a physically safe workplace, but what about an emotionally safe workplace? On today's episode of the PX Pulse, Jeff Bond sits down with Jameen Motan, founder and CEO of Skylar Security. Jameen has nearly a decade of experience working in law enforcement and is now pioneering a new era of physical security throughout the Southeast United States and beyond. Jameen shares insights behind Skylar Security's mission to set a new standard in the industry so that security is addressed in a holistic way for both the service providers and recipient communities. You will hear the why behind the work Jameen is doing, the importance of fostering emotional safety, and why it's important for you to take care of yourself as a leader in order to lead well. You don't want to miss this conversation about how safety goes beyond physical harm, danger, or threat, and how emotional safety can positively impact your organization. Are you looking to make your workplace more human? Check out my friends at Cool Leaf. What I love about Cool Leaf is that it helps leaders create connection, engagement, and recognition. You can celebrate team wins, reward colleagues, and have fun with your coworkers. You can build a culture of appreciation and feedback that boosts morale, retention, and performance. Cool Leaf also simplifies measuring and improving the employee experience with pulse surveys, rewards, and integrations with your everyday tools. To learn more about Cool Leaf and how it can make your work more human, visit coolleaf.com slash try coolleaf. That's C-O-O-L-E-A-F dot com slash try coolleaf to book your free demo today and see how top workplaces use Cool Leaf to put their people first and thrive. Jameen, so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here with me today. Oh, thanks for having us. Well, I know you spent about a decade working in law enforcement. You have such a unique story. And you know, a lot of leaders out there are thinking today about this psychological safety, but there's a lot of parallels and correlation to physical safety, which is the type of business that you run. And so this kind of conversation about safety as an emotion is is something that we'll jump into and I know is such a hard topic for you. And uh, But I do want to start with just understanding your transition from your career in law enforcement to founding this security company and what it's all about. Yeah, it's uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me and just really excited to uh, be a part of this conversation. Uh, this is a really, really important topic to me when, as far as I can remember, um, I was what you would call a bully's bully. And a lot of times we have a very negative connotation of the bully. Um, but think about your high school days. There was always those handful of people that just terrorized the school. Um, and I just, even at a young age, I just could not sit back and allow it. So I was, you know, right now I'm sitting probably close to 295 pounds, um, six foot tall. I've always been a little bit bigger <laughs> um, and a little louder in terms of leading my community than my colleagues. And so I took that to um, my advantage and protected community as far back as I can remember. Um, and I'm, you know, it's it's interesting how that was the early shape of what I would eventually be 
in my life. Um, and so, you know, I also, you know, those, those there are those early tests that you take when you're younger and you're trying to figure out what does life look like. Uh, mine, ironically said, uh, judge or attorney. And throughout my career, I've probably been both of those. And so, um, like I said, as early as I can remember, I was a, was a protector, uh, a bully of the bully. And um, they, I would walk up to them and I would just say, hey, listen, leave them alone, you know? And if you're going to mess with somebody, mess with me. And they're like, all right, Mo, all right, Mo, we, we're going to leave them alone. And then I would sit there and, and have lunch with them um, and just sit with them and, and let them know that, yes, I see you and everything's going to be just fine. And so um, I took that into uh, my life. And I thought that I was going to be an FBI agent at the end of my story. Um, and so it started with um, a passion for people a passion to advocate those that don't have a voice. Um, and I took that into the law enforcement field. And, and that is the, the beginning of the end of the story. Mm. You know, a really big theme in that what I'm hearing is this kind of understanding identity. And identity is such an important thing that we carry with us. We often carry our identity as part of our vocation, our profession or leadership, but you called yourself a bully's bully, a judge or an attorney, a potential protector, FBI agent, a peacemaker, so many identities wrapped up into one. And in the workplace, I think reconciling our identity to our sense of place and belonging and psychological safety and having allies around us who kind of fill the gaps uh, where maybe we feel a little bit more vulnerable is such a strong thing to do. And I know that you kind of brought this back to a young age and we're all kind of born out of our childhood experiences. Uh, so you have this sports background. How has that shaped your approach to just security and really your leadership style now as a business owner and operator? You know, it's, it's interesting you ask that question. I am um, incredibly compassionate, empathetic, um, very um, passion driven I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, I try not to say emotionally driven, um, but it is it is something very deep down inside of me that that pushes me every single day, every single minute of the day. Um, and I believe it came out of the tragedy of my childhood and the triumph of what I did with that tragedy. Um, when I was younger, I have always been a part of athletics. If my high school coach could put me on the football field. I think he tried. <laughs> I would have played football back when women didn't do it. I, he put me in everything. He said, you know, I was a basketball player. I did hockey, soccer, again, track. Um, I threw, I ran. I was a sprinter in high school and I did a little bit in college. So athletics was just something that um, my family, they're giants. Um, not only I'm the tallest girl, of course, but I'm up there with my my cousins because they play basketball and football. Um, my uncles are 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I mean, they're giants. So athletics was just something that I was drawn to because of my athletic ability. Um, but I, I ran from some tragedy in my own personal, personal story in my family. Um, and I'm not afraid to say it, that I come out of a divorced um, family structure. My, my dad, unfortunately, abused my mom. And it is something that I don't mind talking about because I've gone through the work to be able to articulate it. And I know that from a very young age, security was an emotion for me. And I sought it out. I sought to give that to the world at a very young age. Imagine your mom saying, Jameen, go get grandma. Jameen, go get pop pop. In tears, crying and 
in complete fear of my dad hurting my mom. Um, God rest his soul. I love my dad. But there were some stories, there, there were some experiences in my household that built me as not only the peacemaker, um, but the driver of peace. I was the one that ran through the woods. That's still there. The little trail is still there. I go home and I see it every time. I'm reminded of those stories. Um, and so you take that and I say, I don't want to be home. So what do I do? I get that basketball and I go to the basketball court and I hoop and I find friends that identify with what brings me joy. I'm at high school trying to figure out what activity can I stay in so that I don't have to go home. Mm. Um, Little did I know that that was the beginning of the shaping of what I would eventually build called Skylar. Security is an emotion and everyone deserves to be safe, including me. Um, and so it's, it's my personal journey, but it's also something that I realize that every person in this world wants to feel safe. And at the end of the day, when we build culture, we're making people feel safe. Now there's psychological safety, there's financial safety, and we'll get into, I think hopefully we can touch into that um, as we go on, but security is an emotion and everyone deserves to be safe. Skylar just so happens to be a security company. We just so happen to have patches on our shoulder, but every organization that is organized by people which is all of them, should make their people feel safe. Imagine what the workplace would look like if that is the premise that we would take. Now, yes, we're a security guard company. So when our guards show up, we can't afford to have a bad day. I can't afford for them to not feel safe. So we go the extra mile to make sure that that guard not only feels supported financially, psychologically, physically, and emotionally so that they can show up as their best self. All of that came from you know, maybe five, six years old, I see myself running across the street to my grandma's house calling 911. Now I am the, ma I, I master it so much that I can give it away in the workplace. Imagine what the workplace would look like if everyone felt safe. I mean, your authenticity shines and I know that authentic communication is incredibly important to you and sharing your story is so helpful in that, right? To give it context because we've all had trauma. We've all had experiences in our lives that shape our identities today and how we show up in the workplace. And so I know how important authentic communication is to you and how you've expressed that to me and also through your example now. Can you share some specific strategies or practices that you've implemented to foster this authentic communication within your team and make it psychologically safe for people yeah. to be able to bring their whole selves to work. Yeah. So from the, from the time that, uh, that the very first time uh, that that guard interacts with my organization, whether it's on our website, whether they're clicking a, a link on a job board, all the way to either promotion or, or removal, we coach, we lead, and we train. Mm. I didn't say anything about discipline. I didn't say anything about arguing, um, going back and forth. I didn't say anything about none of those things. We coach, we lead, and we train each other, and we train the ones below us, and we train the people who, me, all the way up to the top. I have an open door policy, and I told my team I always will. Um, in the brand, in the brand training, the orientation of all of our team members, um, I tell them we are a very we hold each other accountable. 
and we have a very, uh, very strict, if you will, I don't like using that word, but it's a strict culture where we're very particular about the people that we bring on, obviously, because of what we do. So one thing that is very important is that even as a CEO, I remember when we did the Super Bowl and I'm literally standing there cheering my our team in with the rest of the security guards. I'm a whole CEO and I'm standing there as happy. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't want anybody to know that I was a CEO. And when it, when it got out, I mean, you could just look at our, how we're moving and they're like, okay, something about her. She, she looked like she might be the boss, but you know, we are all one voice and we use this in our culture, um, how we write, what we say, how we say it. Um, and my team will tell you, it's not something that I'm telling you. This is what we do. This is how we live. Hashtag Team Skylar. If you look in our culture and our paperwork, you'll see it everywhere. Hashtag Team Skylar. When we start conversation, hashtag Team Skylar. When we end it, anytime you write a sentence, you end it with hashtag Team Skylar. Even when they forget, they're like, oh, I forgot to put hashtag Team Skylar. You'll see them drop it below. We've been doing that from the time I onboarded the first guard. See, years ago. It is so embedded in our culture. We are a team. We coach each other, we lead each other, and we train each other all the way to removing them from the roster. So as a culture, if we are not treating people as people, change is good. I've had, even as a police officer, and this is a great, this is a great kind of like um, parallel. When I arrested someone, unfortunately, it's part of the job. I, I've got to take you in. The gentleman is laying in the back of my police car. He says, sis, thank you. And I'm like, I'm, we're on the way to the jail. What are you making me for? <laughs> He's like, thank you. The way that you handled me in that situation. Do you know that tonight's going to be the first night that I get sleep? Because I can't rest in my own household. Thank you for how you handled me. All the way to the to the security officer who's on my team. I've left the police department. I've started the security guard company. And now here is this person who does not fit in our culture, right? They're, they're not at a point in their emotional intelligence where they can, they know the power of tone and writing. So their writing is not, you know, we say on mission, it's not mission fit. It causes a disruption. Um, they don't understand the difference between um, written um, vernacular and um, verbal, right? So how you speak, what you say, when you say, that is emotional intelligence, right? They don't have it. So rather than them disrupt us, we say, hey, listen, we don't think this is a good fit, but what do you want to do for the rest of your life? What are your goals in life? Like, how do you, how do you want to show up in the world? Because something's happening between our mission and what's happening with you. What's going on? And this is the meeting to remove them from the roster and in some cultures to fire, right? So even in as long as they are on our roster, all the way up to removing them from the roster, we still uphold this coachly trained methodology, which means that I'm still invested in you until you leave. So there was a, there was a guard. Um, and I told him, I said, you're out of uniform. I popped up on him at like two in the morning. You're out of uniform. You're not doing what I asked you to do. You're not doing what the policy states. You know what, you know what I'm getting ready to say. He was like, I know, I know I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be removed. I said, yes, but let's talk a little deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, that's happening. Mm -hmm. What, what's going on? What happened? Cause you didn't start off like this. What's going on? Well, this, this, here comes the here comes the person story. 
So now, okay, I know what's going on. I care about you. Okay. However, I've got to remove you from the roster, but in three months, I'm going to call you and I'm going to check on you. And I want to, you know, I want to know that, you know, that you're doing okay and that you've learned the lesson. So there's this coachly trained methodology that we, that we have to master as leaders of not only startups, but, you know, fortune 100 corporations, we lead people um, through their life experiences um, and so as much as we want these people to show up and be on brand and perfect and on policy and do everything we ask them to do, how can they do that when they have these life experiences that we have to bend an ear to? Um, and if you're not comfortable in those types of conversations, unfortunately, as a leader, you're going to struggle with managing people if you don't understand the needs of those people. Wow. Well, to our listeners right now, uh, if you're like me, you're taking notes. And there's a couple things I want to pull out of that that I thought were just incredible. The fact that you are so focused on the teamwork and what it means to be one that you coach, lead, and train each other uh, all the way through until they leave the roster, which I love that phrase, by the way, the roster, you know, that full life cycle of, of recruiting, onboarding all the way until uh, offboarding and making sure people are okay. I love the question of just what's going on, no matter the situation, what is going on, how, you know, and, and having that be a model of how you care about people. And that you're all one voice. He said, we're all one voice. This is what we do. Hashtag Team Skylar. We're treating people as people. We're culturally training methodology through emotional intelligence. And we're leading people through their life experiences. That's that's all super powerful, Jameen, and, and helpful too. Uh, and I think can be applied across any organization that you're leading as a business leader, as a people leader. So thank you for, for sharing that. That was really really, really helpful. I, uh, I also want to talk about, I mean, you, you talked a lot about security as emotion and I, and I love that integration into your life, your belief, your values, and you're training people on this emotional intelligence, this culturally trained methodology. And you've talked a lot about like people feeling safe, which is a powerful goal for people who are trying to do this the way that you're describing, where can they go wrong? You know, if they're trying to implement this, what are some some obstacles or roadblocks that they can be looking for when trying to put into practice what you're talking about here? Yeah. So um, one of the things let me give you this quick hack. Um, So Maslow hierarchy of needs. Google it. If you don't know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, you have to. And and I, I was a trained teacher. Um, I also went to school for sociology, psychology, but I, was, I thought I was going to end up in the classroom. So I took a minor in early, early childhood education. And in that degree program, they taught us Maslow. I was blown away, Jeff. I, I thought I saw the sun and the God in the sky. I just was like, oh my goodness. I, I believe that this is a big key. Little did I know that that key would would fit right in the middle of the business that we built. Um, emotional intelligence. Uh, when I was at the police department, incredibly frustrated, just just flat out frustrated with how police officers treated the community. Um, they were not compassionate enough. They were afraid to be empathetic, and I just could not understand how do you um, how do you reconcile or fix 
or mediate a community without compassion. Um, and so this thing of emotional intelligence um, came up when I was trying to figure out what that was. First, I looked at myself and I realized that while I have a very, very high emotional intelligence, there were some things that I needed to work on myself. So through this book, I read it and I was just like, okay, well, this is what I got to work on before I could talk to anybody um, about managing their emotions. So first it starts with us. We have to look in the mirror. And I mean, and not just, okay, let me make sure my hair, you know, do it. I'm all that. No, look at the bad side. The, the, the not so good side of the mirror and have conversation about how I show up in the world. And if you're showing up in your personal world one way, you're going to show up in the workplace the same way. It, there is no switch that you turn. And a lot of leaders that that struggle with this try to turn on the switch. They think because they put on the jacket and the, you know, the button of the tie and they put on these clothes that they are now nice people and they're leaders. That doesn't make you a leader. So you first got to look in the mirror and, and have a real good look about what, what you see and and those things that you need to reconcile within yourself. Um, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a very powerful concept. And I believe that if we as people can look at people in the workplace underneath Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it says that there are certain fundamental things that have to be in place in order for us to be just okay not even capable of developing and growing and pushing our career just for us to show up okay. Psychological, financial, um, there's safety, shelter, finances. Um, you know, then there's the mental, there's the psychological, there's this concept of belonging that is so very powerful. Yes. And it's so interesting. All of these words, I didn't say anything about revenue. I didn't say anything about promotion. I said that you need to one, feel safe in the, in your workplace because it pays me a reasonable wage. If you're not paying your team a reasonable wage, they're going to have psychological issues. They're not because they're going to be stressed out every day on what? Shelter and food, which is the fundamental need of every human being. We talk about this in our brand training to security guards. They're looking at me like, I just want to work. I don't want to learn all this. But if you can't understand, if you can't understand that we understand, that you have needs and those needs are embedded. And I'll give you an explanation. I'll give you an example. Those needs are embedded in how we do business and how we onboard guards. So everybody's telling me I'm a startup, right? Okay. I'm a startup. We have a nice volume of guards on our team, but I'm a startup. Okay. Um, decent sized organization. So um, when we onboard guards, my team said, my advisors are like, stop paying them weekly. Pay them bi-weekly. It'll save you money. And, you know, you're managing cash flow, right? So pay them every two weeks and not every week. I said, no, I can't do that. Because under Maslow, these guards need money now. So we do their brand training on a Friday. We handpick them throughout the week. So they are, they are the best of what the industry has to offer. They do training, which is paid on Saturday. They get a check on Tuesday just like everybody else. And we modeled it that way so they could get money in their pocket because we looked at our people and they said, "I need now I'll, I'll show up for you, but I need money in my hand quick because I have bills to pay. 
So now we have a, a roster of almost 4,000 people who have applied to my organization. Through COVID, we did not struggle putting teams mm. together. Yeah. It's incredible. So people are like, you didn't struggle? I said, no, because we take care of our people. We listen. They know we have their back. All this emotional stuff that a lot of organizations are afraid to grapple with. But I've, I've looked in the mirror several times and I continue to so that I can continue to build an organization that's not afraid to give um, the, you know, you can't give love capital L in the workplace and understand those things, but you can definitely give the lowercase L. Um, they are being hugged daily mm -hmm. and it starts with Skylar headquarters and it ends with them protecting our community. Um, in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that there's a place for love in business and it doesn't need to be a taboo topic, but maybe it's the lowercase L instead of the uppercase. But I love, I love how you're focusing on the baseline needs for people. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, is so simple in terms of its like hierarchy and, and what are just the basic fundamental needs that you need to cover for people to get to that pinnacle of self-actualization but then we expect immediately that there is this idea of serving our teammates, serving our customers. We expect for them to kind of transcend self and be a servant to the business, to the clients, to one another, and to cover that. But if we're not covering their baseline needs, people can't show up as their their full self and get to that kind of next level of of transcendence, you know, and getting past the self actualization. And so. I think it's just such a good word for people to realize the importance of that in your onboarding. And, you know, it's not just fluffy, you know, theoretical type stuff. It's, it's human nature that we're talking about here and, uh, and what it takes to, to create a safe environment where people feel like they belong and that they have allies around them. We send flowers to them when they're, if they have a loss in their family. We have a director of support that calls and reaches out and says, we see you and we're thinking about you and we're ready for you to come back whenever you're ready. You know, it's the relation, it's the relationship side that's non-negotiable. It is. I had COVID last week and one of my channel partners sent me soup, you know, <laughs> just sent me soup from Uber, Uber Eats. And it's just like, you know, brought me to tears. It was just so kind, right? Like. Wow. Just working with people stuff. in that way. So love that, love that point and absolutely visit Maslow hierarchy of needs as your onboarding and make it part of your culture. So just speaking directly in closing to those that are charged with the well-being of people, their business leaders, their people experience leaders, they're responsible to create a culture where everybody feels safe. What would you like speak to them directly right now? And like out of the things that we've talked about today, what do you really want to make sure uh, lands with them? And, and is something that maybe they can start practically applying in their leadership? You know, you, you got to ask the question is what are the things that I have to do as a leader? Forget your title. Put that title underneath your shoe and stomp on it. It means nothing if you cannot connect with the team and the people around you. And if there's an issue with being tra a transparent leader, so there's a transformational leader, it's, there, it's not something you pick. It's who you have to be to change your organization so that it can become a purpose-driven organization. If you're not purpose-driven, how can you drive purpose through your organization? And it starts at the top. It also starts at the bottom and it starts on the side. So who we are as people, that person, that who you are, shows up in the workplace. You can't fake it. You can't put a suit on and change it. So getting support for yourself, 
and making sure that all your boxes are checked, making sure all your that you're not at the bottom of Maslow, that you're at the top of Maslow. Check yourself on what you're demanding for your organization. And you, you know, you're, you're only as strong as your weakest link. It's corny, but it's true. People, we said it all the time when we were in when in, in teams when I was younger. But as I've gotten older and I've I've matured in the workplace and I understand what it's like to be a CEO, you can't afford not to. Why? Because your organization is going to challenge you. So you want to show up as your best self, your organization will show up as its best self, and you will be able to achieve the objective probably easier than you would with a hammer down on the, on the table. Be compassionate, be empathetic. But first, you must feel safe first. And if there's any fracture in that, call for help get a therapist, get somebody that can help you to work through your stuff because the only way that you can help others is if you first help yourself, right? You can't, you can't, you can't, you know, it's like if you're drowning in a, in a pool, I'm drowning. So how can I help and support my team that's drowning? I can't, we're all drowning. We all go drown, right? So one, you got to look in the mirror. Two, you, you can't beat yourself up for the failures of your past and your trauma. You have to own them and walk and, and just embrace them as you lead others. And you must be transparent. You must be a transformational leader, which means purpose matters. But purpose first starts within you before you can challenge other people to develop and grow themselves. Um, very passionate topic. I love I love this topic and I'm, I'm honored that we're having this conversation. It's been an incredible and an energizing conversation. We've been talking to Jameen, founder, CEO, Skylar Security. Security is an emotion. Absolutely check them out for your security needs. Jameen, thank you so much for coming on the show. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for another insightful episode of The People Experience Pulse. We hope the words shared in this episode have inspired you as much as they've inspired us. Now the real challenge begins putting what you've learned into practice. The change you create, no matter how small, could be the spark that ignites an exceptional people experience in your organization and beyond. If you found value in today's conversation, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us deliver high value content and reach more listeners like you. You can find other inspiring episodes and additional resources at our website, thepxpulse.com. Join our community at thepxpulse.com. Thank you again for joining us on the People Experience Pulse. Until next time, remember, the heartbeat of any organization is its people. Let's make every pulse count.